All right, welcome to the Dubcast here live at Delaware's BW3s. <laughs> Thank you, appreciate it. Uh, so we're here. Uh, this is BW3s, the official sports bar of 11 Warriors. I'm Johnny Ginter here with Garrick Hodge, our recruiting expert extraordinaire for 11 Warriors. Andy is uh, doing some really fun personal family things tonight on uh, Beggar's Night, All Hallows' Eve, uh, what we're doing that. So we're here. At B-dubs, we're enjoying some delicious wings. We're enjoying the ambiance, right? The, the fantastic vibes that we have here. We've got amazing gear that we, like, I'm incredible. Like, I'm amazed that this is, like, here that we can all use. This is, like, magic. You're not um, used to hosting, are you? I'm not used to hosting in such an incredible environment. I think this is just fantastic. Uh -huh, I see. So I appreciate that everyone's here. They come out. Please sample all of the delicious uh, wings and, and sauces and spices and everything else that B-dubs can provide. But, Garrick, I, I got a lot to ask of you this week. Okay? Well, this is, this is uh, scary, but go ahead. There's a lot going on, okay? Yeah. We're going to be building up to the Penn State game. I'm going to ask you for your reaction to Indiana and then maybe some things that have been going on in the meantime. Um, I want to start off just the Dubcast by asking you how – do you feel about how Ohio State came out against Indiana and what that looked like last week? Well, quite frankly, I kind of felt bad for Indiana, to be honest. <laughs> Not Indiana specifically, but Indiana's fans. Because, I mean, I, it was kind of funny. I was talking to Dan Hope um, before the game, and I was like, because I take photographs for us and all that, do you think I should bring any rain gear? Because there is almost none forecasted. And he was like, yeah, probably, just in case, right? Right. And so I grab it, and then by mid-second quarter, it is just a colossal downpour and at that point I almost think Indiana just flat out gave up I mean right. it was just so the heavens erupted and there was no reason for them to continue their struggle I well I looked up to the heavens and realized I had forgot my 11 Warriors rain jacket <laughs> in the photographer's room which was very uh, saddening but, yeah and I turned to the photographer next to me, and I just kind of went, man, this is kind of miserable, huh? And he was like, oh, yeah. And I looked to the Indiana sideline, and I saw that exact look on their face. For being, right. I don't want to be here. We're 2-4, and four, about to be 2-5. and five. Let's just run the ball and get the heck out of here. They used multiple quarterbacks in there. And quite frankly, my biggest takeaway was how porous Indiana's offensive line was. I think mm -hmm. I wrote in, like, two separate articles on 11 Warriors how horrendous his offensive line is. It's probably the worst in the Big Ten. And honestly, a lot, of, a lot of playmakers on Ohio State's defensive line came through time in and time out and made life just absolutely miserable for the Hoosiers. Yeah, they were in the backfield of the, uh, the Hoosiers pretty much constantly throughout the game. And, and that was, you know, they dropped a 30 spot in the second quarter, right? So yeah. that's basically ended the game right there. Yep. And then you've got an entire half in the rain, as you mentioned, where people are just getting increasingly distressed about how this is going to turn out, whether we should be even be, is there a running clock? Like, what's going to happen? And I actually, I remember, I think Ben Axelrod had a tweet where he loves how they have those games, right, these night games that we build up all day. We're waiting for, for hours and hours and hours, and then within seven minutes of the game starting, we know exactly how it's going to end. And that's what it felt like on Saturday. And look, if you're an Ohio State fan, you're like, okay, I want to see signs that this is a team that's maturing, that's getting better. That's great, yeah. right? That's fantastic. That's what you want to see. On the other hand, if you're somebody that wants to see kind of like a fun evening game where you're really invested in the outcome and it's something that's going to make your weekend, I don't know that that really was that. But as far as like a development standpoint, I don't think you can complain about anything 
that happened with Ohio State and Indiana. I think it was fantastic top to bottom. Uh, really even got Mayan Williams reengaged back kind of in that running back room. You yes. know, he, he sent a tweet, I think, prior to the game that said free chop. <laughs> <laughs> they did. They yes. did. They ended yes. up freeing chop. Well, I think it was sort of unintentional because the in- injury to Travion Henderson, right. which obviously was very minor because he came back in. But after he scored that first touchdown on the opening drive, he kind of ran to Tony Alford and gave him a hug. Mm-hmm. And, um, really put a lot of emphasis into that hug because Tony knew how much he had been struggling <laughs> the last like, right. two weeks with injuries and, you know, Trebion breaking out, and, you know, this Mayan probably thought that the Minnesota game, when he got that start, this is going to be his year, and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of been an up-and-down season for him. But speaking of Trebion Henderson, can we just talk about the balance of that guy? <sighs> you can't get him down. Like, I, I couldn't move in the rain. Like, I'm right. just, like, looking down, like, <laughs> if I take one step, I'm going to, like... They're just going to slip. You're going to slide 20 yards and then, like, you know, be, be out of the stadium. Like, I hope my mother has my tombstone ready because, right. <laughs> I, I, like, I have no balance, especially it didn't help the shoes I was wearing. Right. But... Travion, this guy's like zigging, he's zagging, he's running over three different uh, linebackers. Well, it's especially notable given all the the issues that they've had with Ohio Stadium's field turf. Yes, for sure. And so you're seeing what he's been able to do on maybe a place that doesn't have those issues. And the guy is, you know, he's got glue on the bottom of his shoes. He he can pivot, he can do whatever he wants to. He can make the cut. He's fantastic. So what's harder to move on, Ohio Stadium's turf or uh, a soaking wet Indiana field? Oh, gosh. I mean, I would imagine... at that point, at this point, it's a toss-up. Like, I don't really know, frankly, because you've seen some guys that you would think are really sure-footed on a very well-funded yeah. a- athletic department's field who are making some pretty bad slips. I think they did really well against Indiana on Indiana's field in those conditions. Quick question about Trayvon Henderson. We, we talk about this guy obviously setting all of these marks as a freshman, right? Touchdowns, sure. all that other stuff. Um, big deal. And I, I mean that is a big deal, not sure. that I'm dismissive of it, because... The question that I have is, are we not making more of a big deal of him nationally because he doesn't get those opportunities to really rack up yards, carries, all that kind of stuff, versus a guy like B. John Robinson, for example, who I think gets more of an opportunity simply because of the position that he's in. I think he's every bit as talented. From what I've seen from him in-game, the things that he's been asked to do, particularly what he can do out of the backfield in the passing game, like that's an element you really haven't seen at Ohio State. And, and, like, I'm not trying to denigrate, you know, J.K. Dobbins' you know, ability to catch the ball. But this is different, I think. I think he's a, a higher level than that. Um, do you think he's maybe getting the, the short end of the stick simply because he hasn't had the chance to show off what he can do? I don't know if I'd say the short end of the stick. I mean, I think he's getting a lot of recognition nationally, slowly but surely. Right. Um, and even this week and when we got him for media availability and all that, he said, I don't have to have 20 carries a game to – have 180 yards I mean <laughs> that's at that, true at that halftime I didn't want to go back in I mean he didn't say he didn't want to go back in of course <laughs> he did but um, he probably thought it because right. I didn't want to go back in after that rain slaughter but um, no he had about nine carries that Indiana game and um, honestly he had already done what Ohio State needed him to do at that point and right. I think it's more of a you watch what he does kind of like that balance I was talking about and his ability to get to that next level and just make people miss Mm -hmm. that really stands out that you know fans that watch Ohio State and fans that watch Ohio foot watch college football excuse me collectively like they know yeah (laughs) well um also kind of like you were saying with J.K. Dobbins like He's just a guy that, like, when you see him his first couple of carries his freshman year, like, you know. Yes. Like, like this, this guy right. is going to be a star, and it already is a star, quite frankly. Right. And, I mean, it's just pretty incredible that Ohio State gets him for two more years after this. Well, and it's been fun to watch his evolution just from game to game because the guy right now is averaging almost nine yards of carry, and he hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities. But 
it reminds me of how I felt. So when I was a student back in 2003, 2004, especially 2004, when you start off the season having your offense being centered around Mike Nugent, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> where, where he has to kick five field goals to beat NC State. And then by the, end of the, by the end of the season, you're looking at guys like Ted Ginn and Troy Smith as the, you know, the water carriers for your offense. To be able to see that change and that evolve is so much more fun as a fan than going, okay, well, how is this going to go wrong? Watching a guy emerge is really, really entertaining. And with Henderson, you know, he only has two 100-yard games, which I think is wild. But you know that more are coming. To be and fair, one of those games was breaking a single game yes, freshman rush. Yes, that's right. Uh, exactly. Exactly right. And so that's my point. When you, you can see that later on when he does get those carries, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the dubcast, but when he gets those carries, you know he's going to make some really big impressions on the field. I'm, I'm excited about that. Now, speaking of... Are you saying, by the way, that building an offense around a kicker is a bad idea? Is that, is that the... Uh... No, not if you're Jim Trestle. If you're literally anyone else, <laughs> yes. then yes. But if you're Jim Trestle, it's totally fine. By the way, if we ever uh, got Trevion Henderson on this and we could ask him anything, I would want to ask him what's uh, harder to run on Ohio Stadium's field turf <laughs> or uh, soaking... I don't think you're going to get an honest answer from any Ohio State player about yeah, absolutely that. absolutely not. Um, so speaking of recognition, especially nationally, we have been kind of monitoring this. On 11 Warriors, C.J. Stroud, right, started off the season, I think, with a lot of criticism from Ohio State fans, from people who were like, this is not necessarily the heir apparent to Justin Fields, throwing some interceptions, doesn't look like he's super accurate on his passes, airballing some things. Obviously, in the past few weeks, much different story. Do you think the hype for Heisman, for C.J. Stroud, which odds makers have him top three right now, right? Mm -hmm. Is that real? Is that something that people should take seriously? I think that he will be a finalist when the ceremony is presented. Okay. But I would be surprised if he won it just because. Who, who else, though? Who, who is there? Who's there? I'd say probably Bryce Young. And Matt, okay. Well. Just, just maybe on the virtue of being good and yes, yes. I mean, Bryce Young has uh, some pretty gaudy numbers right now. And Matt Corral, I don't think, threw an interception until only very recently. Okay. Um, whereas, you know, um, what C.J. Stroud has done over these past few weeks has been nothing short of remarkable. Yes. But you also have to remember, and this is like just crazy to think about this in hindsight, a good portion of Ohio State's fan base wanted C.J. Stroud benched for Kyle McCord. <laughs> heading into the, like they were like, all right, if Kyle McCord... Standard's got to be high though, man. Yes, if, if Kyle McCord plays great in this Akron game, he's our starter going right. forward. Like that was definitely a mindset for uh, not a small portion of Ohio State fans. So... Um, if I was a voter, I would maybe take that into consideration a little bit, but that sure. doesn't take away that, you know, he has a touchdown-interception ratio of 22 to 3 and has thrown right. nearly 2,000 yards and has missed a game, especially well, the game where he could have pad his numbers. Exactly. Yes. And, and that's the thing. And I think if you were skeptical about C.J. Stroud, honestly, I think, I think that's okay. I honestly don't think there was any reason to, like, be completely all in on him uh, as of the Tulsa game because, you know, I'm looking at the stats right now. Okay, 60% of his passes, throws an interception, only one touch. And you're like, okay, is this the dude? That's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. At this point, after the last three games, where you've got a total of 14 touchdowns and no interceptions and something like hovering around like a 73.5% completion rate, sure. there's nothing to complain about with C.J. Stroud. 
Um, I think he could play himself into the conversation. I mean, obviously, um, another negative thing about C.J. Stroud, if you want to call it that, mm-hmm. I mean, he has no control over this, but the opponents that he's throwing for right. all these gaudy numbers over have not exactly been the most prolific defense. And that's a fair point. That's a fair um, point. Now, if he throws for four or five touchdowns to zero interceptions against Penn State, a defense that I think is very good coming mm-hmm. up, and he continues to do that against Michigan State and Michigan and maybe – you know, down the road in the Big Ten Championship. I think he could play his way into the conversation, sure. Okay. I agree with you. I think that the committee and and everybody who does the voting and all that stuff, I think they'll maybe toss him vote and be like, okay, great season kid. Yeah, You're not the guy we like this year. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe they'll try to set him up for next season. But I I agree with you. Unless, like, Alabama loses again or something like that, I I really do. uh, Yeah, I don't think he has the inside track. I I think Bryce Young is the favorite unless – so I I think it's, you know, the Heisman race is sort of out of C.J. Stroud's control Mm -hmm. right now. Like, I think that both Matt Corral and – Bryce Young have to falter yeah. for C.J. Stroud to elevate himself there. I agree with that. Um, unless he just goes absolutely bananas and continues to not throw picks and just uh, yeah. throws for like 400 <laughs> yards a game the rest of the season. I mean, if he does exactly like what that. he's been doing for the rest of the season. I, I know, it's already been it bananas would be the last in, few weeks. Right, it would be insane for him not to get the Heisman, but I, I think that is something maybe just to keep an eye on. Maybe not put a lot of money on at this point quite yet. So, real quick, before we get into some other things, I do want to check in on Michigan. Uh, obviously, an item of interest to yours truly because I do write a weekly column about Michigan, which either I, I've looked on the internet. I always like when uh, it gets posted in other places because either people think I'm literally the Antichrist or they think <laughs> I'm the funniest person who ever lived. Your mileage may vary. I don't think I'm either. I think I'm just a guy who likes to make fart jokes about Michigan. But regardless, um, I am actually really fascinated by this weekend because what Michigan has done is they have taken a team with offensively, especially after injuries, kind of marginal talent, right? Like, not great talent. I'm not saying it's bad talent. But in terms of, like, the national scene, if you're talking about the A tier, the Blue Bloods, their talent offensively is not that. Okay, Cade Cade McNamara is solidly middle ground nationally. There are a lot of quarterbacks on MAC teams better than Cade McNamara. But that's okay. Name three. I can't name any <laughs> Mac. Anyway, my point is, Garrick, damn it. My point is, is that he's not going to lose them a game. And they don't, that's all they expect of him. As long as Blake Corum and Son Haskins can continue running the ball the way they have been. And, they, and for the most part, they have. There's been a couple games where they've been stymied, but they've won anyway. I mean, this is an undefeated team. Um, I think they'll be able to continue to be pretty good. Now, the problem is is that they're going up against the Michigan State team with legitimate offensive threats, right? The fighting Kenneth Walkers. Kenneth Walker, who will run the ball 100,000 times and get a bunch of yards. They've got Peyton Thorne, who can throw the ball pretty well. Um, They may have to win a shootout. That's not something they've had to worry about this season, and I'm interested to see if they have the capability to do that, to win that kind of game. Now, if the game isn't like that, if it's a lower-scoring game, I think Michigan's got a pretty good shot. Uh, and I think right now that's essentially what the odds makers are expecting to, to happen. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by that matchup. That, that's appointment viewing for me because that's going to determine for both teams where they're at. Uh, yeah, Twitter kind of got us off to an interesting start with that game, this matchup, with that Simpsons clip uh, circulating around. <laughs> uh, right. for, for those that haven't seen it, just uh, – uh, I think Homer was talking to Bart or something like that, yeah. and then they, like, jumbled his words back previous episodes to where he, like, 
to make it sound like he's got a problem with the snap and yeah, yes, to, to picked up. recite the call verbatim of right. Michigan losing to Michigan State on a you know botch punt. Best but, thing I've seen on the internet in a very long time. But, Probably justified the entire like existence of the internet with that one tweet. You uh, you called it appointment viewing, and I already put you on the spot once in this podcast, so I'm going to do it again. <laughs> okay, who do you like in that game? I would like, personally, for Michigan State to win just because it would make me laugh and, and I would enjoy that. But I actually, <laughs> honest to God, and, and this is someone who I write for an audience that I think is naturally skeptical of Michigan's ability to win games, which is fair, completely justified. I actually think Michigan has a pretty good shot at winning this game. I would say that they do win in a close one, maybe something like 28-24, something along those lines, because uh, their defense is legit. They, they have a good defense. Their secondary definitely needs help. Uh, but their defensive line, Hutchinson is a beast. If, if you want a decent comparison, I think he's, he's along the lines of a Joey Bosa. He's not quite as productive, but he's still really, really, really good. Um, and when Ohio State plays Michigan, he's going to be a problem that they have to account for. So he's excellent. Um, and they've, like I said, they've got a very consistent running game. So it, they can win a lower scoring game and if it gets into a shootout that's a problem i don't think michigan state has the wherewithal to do that so i think that michigan will probably take that in a close one um that'll be interesting so let's let's expand our view let's let's look wider right let's look at the national big 10 scene all that and i know people have been talking about this a little bit obviously there are two major coaching vacancies around the country well more than that but right now we're going to focus on usc lsu and james franklin seems to be a little distracted garrick yeah, I think so. <laughs> What's going on? So, what are your? How do you feel about this? We talked about this a little bit earlier before we started recording. Do you think it's real, or do you think the dude just had a brain fart and he decided to call Ohio Stadium the big house and he's getting ready for Illinois and all that stuff? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Okay, you don't say that stuff if you're not clearly a little bit out there. I mean, you you switch agents and sure. you know uh, college football's uh, biggest money grabber, uh, Jim Sexton, mm-hmm. and. Um, I certainly think that, if nothing else, he's using this for leverage, which he probably lost At a lot of. At bare minimum. Yes. At bare minimum. Which he yes. lost a lot of after that dreadful nine overtime <laughs> loss to Illinois, which By we'll the way, into. side note, those aren't overtimes. I refuse to call those overtimes. They had two overtimes, and then they just, like, ran, like, play. They had, a, they had like, a What shootout. do you call it, then? Like a shootout. I called a shootout. Okay, I guess we're using hockey terms for yeah. football now. No, no, yeah, no, hockey, soccer, because it's not, it's not an overtime. Overtime involves multiple plays. I do not consider that an overtime. So it was a double overtime seven shootout loss? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes, that right. is what it was. Thank you. I see. Um, anyway, but no, going, going back to Franklin, um, I don't know. I mean, regardless of if he just was flustered by the question, which, I mean, he should have been prepared for. Come on, let's be honest. Like, the oh, SID yeah. probably sat him down like, James... You're going to be asked about this <laughs> and this. Please say you're focused on Ohio State. Well, Ohio State fans definitely have experience with uh, high-profile coaches who aren't necessarily prepared for obvious questions that might be coming at them in a uh, press conference. So. Well, at least it happens elsewhere in the country. That's right. It, it, that's, a, that's comforting. It's a comforting thought. I agree with that. But I, I don't know. Maybe his uh, lack of execution was uh, pretty humorous on that one. And Ohio right. State is a... Uh, Make unofficial uh, accounts, maybe not the football account, but right. you know the Brutus official account posted the, a photo of the <laughs> Nittly line mascot right. and said trying to find the big house in Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> like, and it was pretty humorous. Trying but, to map it out. Yes, 
Yeah. Uh, I, I think it was, regardless of what happened, it almost doesn't matter mm-hmm. because it's a bad look. Oh, it's a terrible look. And it just, you know. Especially if you're a Penn State fan coming right. off the Illinois game, a team that they were favored to beat handily, right? Like, nobody expected Burt to, like, take it to Penn State, a top 10 team, and then, you know. And especially to lose in the way that they did, having so many opportunities to salt that game away and just fail every time. Yeah, it, you've got to be infuriated if you're a Penn State ta- uh, fan because that, you know, that's unacceptable if you're that guy. So, I don't know. Do you? It, do just, you, it just throws a ton of gasoline onto the speculation. Absolutely. Absolutely and, it does. I mean, if you were to, were to compare it to, say, Mike Tomlin's response. Right. To, and I don't really know why Carson Palmer would have any say in uh, <laughs> the USC's coaching search. That was kind of a weird uh, segment with Dan Patrick that he went on and just went, yeah, I've been asked for input for as much as they'll let me, and we're looking at this guy, this guy, this guy. Probably every uh, coaching candidate that was into that job just looked at Carson Palmer like, geez, man, why do you got a name drop right, right, on exactly. such a public forum? Right. And just Mike Tomlin seems so random to me. And, you know, Tomlin was asked about it, and he just sort of looked at whoever asked it like, no, bro. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not. Like, I think his quote no verbatim way. was, never say never, but never. Right, exactly. And uh, he kind of went into a tirade after that, like, you ain't asking Andy Reid this. Right, exactly. And So, and that's- so if James Franklin were to come out and be like, you ain't asking Ryan Day this. Right. <laughs> you ain't asking Gerald this. Right. That would have been a lot more convincing to, all right, well, maybe he's not considering this as highly as to, yeah, well, well we're going to go get the Illinois in the uh, big house this week and right. uh, see you there. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, when you're a coach, you know, especially a college football coach, you've got to know that your fans already have a complex about what might happen if another program or the NFL comes calling. I, uh, I personally feel that way with Ryan Day in the NFL. I'm terrified every offseason because I think Ryan Day is legit, and I also think there's a legit possibility that an NFL team eventually lures him away, which is what I absolutely do not want to have happen. So, yeah, I, I agree. James Franklin's got to know better than that. Um, so that's, that's funny, but we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks. Another thing I want to say real quick uh, before we get into a couple of other fun things here is Clemson's bad. Clemson's bad, man. They're real bad, and it's they're horrible. And it's funny that they're bad. Uh, their quarterback is one of the worst in the country. Their defense is definitely not up to par. I mean, people – I enjoy watching Clemson games because what they do is they show Brett Venables 100 times more than they show Davos Swinney, which, which is great yeah. because in the past, right, like you would see that like, wow, Clemson's just dominating, you know. Like, let's look at the guy who's creating this thing. And now it's kind of like Clemson has no idea what they're doing. Let's, let's zoom in on the guy who clearly is confused by what's going on. Do you think – let me posit this to you. Do you think that Ohio State destroyed Clemson the same way that they destroyed Miami back in the early 2000s? Ooh. Do you think they have ended the program? Do you think that's like Ohio State – you lose to Ohio State, you're snake bit forever. Alabama being the exception because they're Alabama. Mm, I don't know if there's a – a correlation there, but you know, just to humor you, I'm I, gonna say yes. Good, that's all I want. That's okay. all I want from you, Garrick, is just to humor my crazy digression. Speaking of humor and uh, crazy notions or whatever, I've been tempted, I haven't done it yet, but I really want to go back on 11 Warriors and look at our Heisman and college football playoff. Oh, god, I don't because there is a ton of old takes exposed material there. What did you okay? Did you have a Heisman pick? Like I a did. Who did you say? I uh, I picked Spencer Rattler. That's who I picked. That's what yes. I said. Yes, and we're both dumb because yes, that we are. the guy's now benched and, and maybe looking to transfer at some point in time. So, 
I don't, is it possible even really, because I've done this for the past several years where I've tried to like make these Heisman predictions. I said that at the beginning of the season one year that uh, Christian Hackenberg would be my pick for <laughs> Wolf. I know, that's what I'm saying. So is it, in the way college football work, is it even worth it to try to do that kind of prognostication that early? Because frankly, it's never worked out to me. It is absolutely not worth it from a practical standpoint. It is absolutely worth it from a got to get them click standpoint. Okay, that's true. Yes. yes. Or, or possibly if you're savvy, a betting standpoint. If you're smart, you know what you're doing. Um, uh, yeah, that wouldn't have been me. I didn't put any money down, so uh, yeah, I'm glad my I wallet thanks myself for that. Yeah, that would have been bad. Uh, we want to remind you that uh, the 11 Dubcast is sponsored, of course, by the wonderful BW3 is the official sports bar of 11 Warriors. And, of course, the dry goods store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com. Garrick, it's now time for my favorite part of the show. Well, I have heard about this. It's, it's, it's the best part of the show. And this is Ask Us Anything. So this is where our audience can ask us literally anything. You can write in questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com and ask us anything. Uh, or you can hit us up on Twitter at 11dubcast. And... Typically, you know, there's no real, um, you know, preparation on these things. But I think I, I, I eased up on you a little bit this week. I wanted because you're you're filling in. You're a guest. Uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of time to think. We'll start with this one. Okay, this one's for me, but you can give your feedback. And I want to know if maybe you have any idiosyncrasies like I do. Uh, this one's for me from Dan. Uh, often you describe sports moments uh, which would seem to be favorable to you as quote hilarious. Are you actually laughing as these events occur? Is this some weird Ginter Southwest Ohio affect that us Central Ohio rubes wouldn't understand? First of all, you're not the rube. I'm from Southwestern Ohio. I'm the rube. Um, secondly, the nine overtime, the nine, you know, the two overtime seven shootout game, that is the definition of hilarity. When I say something's hilarious, that is specifically what I'm talking about. When something that unexpected and ridiculous happens, and college football is the greatest sport on the planet because it provides more of those moments than anything else. Like, I absolutely love it because of that. That's part of why I love baseball. Because baseball is one of those sports where you can play for 20 years, be a Hall of Famer, and still look terrible on a, like, a regular basis. So I like it when things are unexpected in sports, particularly by people who are playing it at a very high level. Um, and college football provides that. So when I say hilarious, that's, that's absolutely what I'm talking about. And that Illinois-Penn State game was exhibit A of what I mean when I say that. So I don't know. Do you, is, that, is that how you enjoy sports? Because I know it changes sometimes when you actually get into it. Like you're, you're reporting now. You're talking to people. Has your perspective shifted at all on sports when it comes to that kind of thing? It certainly has. But I do not get so invested into the professional aspect of it that I can't allow myself to enjoy the wackiness of it. Right. For example, I think the most fun I ever had covering a college football game was the 2019 Egg Bowl. Okay. And that was That's when... Right. I forgot that you're, you were down south. Like, I was. Tell us a little bit about the Egg Bowl. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, first, just on the Egg Bowl very quickly. I wouldn't put that rivalry in the top ten in terms of when you think of all the aspects of what makes a great rivalry sure. rivalry, mostly because neither of those teams are usually very relevant when it comes to the national landscape of college football. Right. But if you were to ask me what is the top ten rivalries based on hate and hate alone, that one would be number one for me. Okay. Um, ha now, having said that, <laughs> um, I watched an Ole Miss player who – 
It's not hard to find his name. You can go Google it if you really want to. <laughs> I like that you're still protecting him, even though it's like the most visible thing that's ever happened in this rivalry. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I wouldn't say protecting him. Well, no, I, but I, pre- I, but appreciate, yes. your, I appreciate your kindness. I just, I just am uh, assigning the listeners some homework, that's all. Right. And so, to give some context, Ole Miss is down by a touchdown. It's two minutes left or so in the game. And... Ole Miss has already converted, like, I don't remember the exact down and distance, but it was about a fourth and 38. Okay. And somehow Mississippi State lets a wide receiver run free and decides not to cover him down the seam, like 55 yards right, deep. Right, right. He just catches it. As you do in college. Yes, and that was probably the, like, fifth wackiest thing that happened that entire day. <laughs> anyway, so gets to about 10 or so seconds left. Run a play, score a touchdown, and... Uh, our nameless wide receiver, who shall not be named, uh, pays homage to one of his former predecessors of the Ole Miss and lifts his leg up and pretends to urinate like a dog. <laughs> um, Greater Minds Than Mine called it urination simulation. Fantastic. And because of that, drew an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, moved the PAT back 15 yards, so instead of a gimme 22-yarder, whatever it is, it turns into a 37-yarder. Right. Their kicker had not made a field goal over 34 yards the entire year. <laughs> so the holder is, like, trying to, like, amp him up. Like, he's, like, slapping him on the helmet. He's like, come on, bro, you got this. That's you the got thing. this. Being there gives you that kind of, like, extra element that I couldn't get on television, yes. right? Because that's what's fantastic about that. I love that you were able to see that. And it goes completely wide left. Right, of course. And I just sort of, like, look up and I just, like, turn, like, in the press box and we all just kind of go what the bleep just happened (laughs) and you know and it was kind of crazy because the entire state sideline rushed the field but there's still four seconds left on the clock the game wasn't over Uh, anyway recovered the onside kick it was good to go but that was without a doubt the wackiest game I've ever seen so that my friend in a very long winded way to answer your question was hilarious yes and, and that's the thing Yes, it was hilarious, and it, was I laughing out loud at stuff? Yes, I was laughing out loud at yes. stuff like that, because that is, that is funny. It's funny to watch. It's funny to experience. We just talked about it earlier, right? Like, Michigan kicking a punt and losing to Michigan State. That's almost, hilarious. That's hilarious. You're, of course you're laughing out loud at that, because it yes. is one of the most unbelievable, absurd things that you could see, and it was facilitated by college football. That's why I love the sport. Uh, next question here. This is from Matt from Charlotte. Uh, who wants to be clear, the best part of each game's debriefing is Jim Trestle's least favorite moment of the game. Andy's currently writing that. Uh, I've written it in the past. I know other people have as well. Um, And he just wanted to know, how do we get inside the senator's head to write those paragraphs? Look, uh, I've been an Ohio State fan since, you know, I was like five or six years old. I've watched a lot of Jim Trestle's games. It doesn't take a whole lot of thinking to know what a coach like that is is going to be thinking in any given moment, which punt the ball, Dave, right? Like run Dave or like let's try to get in here with a three-point victory and not worry about running, like style points. Like there's not a whole lot that you really, that is unpredictable about Jim Trestle. Um, that's what was so great about him. I mean, he still won despite that, and I think that's, that's another thing that I really enjoyed. So I don't know. It, punting's winning, man. I don't know how you feel about it. But. Punters are people too. <laughs> and... Poor Jesse Mirko, right? Like, this is a guy who comes in, flies... Yeah, I've heard his name mentioned once or twice. Exactly. Flies literally around the world, right? Like, if you look up the furthest distance away from Columbus, Ohio, it's literally on the southwestern coast 
of Australia. Oh, fun fact. So I this, didn't know that. Right. So this guy goes ten, like over 13,000 miles to go play college football, and he makes like one appearance in three games. <laughs> It's like, well, well, I, I think that crazy stat with uh, C.J. Stroud in at quarterback when uh, on non-kneel down drives, Ohio State scored 19 straight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Justin Micro uh, had the best seat in the house, really. Oh, God. And it's, it's insane to see uh, wh- how consistent they've been, especially not just in the red zone, but just scoring touchdowns in general. I mean, it's, that is something that's also been, I think, really unprecedented. I expected there to be a lot more growing pains than what we, what we saw. And, of course, you're going to see some special teams, you know, <laughs> chill on the bench, not doing a whole lot. Um, Punish the people, too. Don't forget that, Johnny. They are, and they deserve the kind of recognition uh, that we give them. So last question here. This is from Joe, who <laughs> includes his phone number, which I will not recite here, but I will tell you he's in the 513. Um, we could he, recite it if he wants us I to. I could, but I'm not going to. Uh, for the <laughs> I, I don't want to put that evil on him. Uh, for the first time in a long time uh, since he's been listening, he decided to write in. He said, if you were both teamed up for the fourth Squid Game, and I assume you've, you've watched Squid Game. I have. Okay. Fortunately that I've watched it. Out okay, of I have us. not, so you're going to have to answer this. So if you were both teamed up for the fourth Squid Game, given 10 marbles each and told you have 30 minutes to decide what game and then play it until you have a winner, what would you play and who wins? Have you thought? I bet you thought about this too, because this is this is something that I think that all Squid Game viewers do. Like, how would I win this game? Right? How would I succeed? And I don't light, know if light. I've thought quite like that. I mean, my, my mind goes to some weird places, but I can't say that <laughs> okay. it goes to how would I win a marble game to save my life and sacrifice someone else. Okay. I can't say that. Okay. So you, judging by your blank stare, is like, bro, what? the hell is he talking about? I, so, I'm a stone-cold killer, man. I'll take on any marble game. I don't care. I'll do anything with ten marbles. That you so obviously the premise of Squid Game is a bunch of, let's just say, non-wealthy people uh, okay. Very are selected to play in these, like, six kid games or whatever. Right. And, and, it's, for, and, and like, it's for money, right? Yes. They're trying to, they're trying yes. to erase debt. Or and get, if you, know. you lose in a game, you die. Okay. So... Uh, the fourth game is each contestant, the, before anything is announced, they're asked to grab a partner, and that's all they're told. Okay. So they grab a partner, and once a partner is selected and locked in, then the, I don't know, supervisor of the game, if you want to call him that, sure. hands each of them ten marbles, like our uh, reader suggested, okay. and said, the object is for you to both agree on a game, and the winner... Gets, is the one that ends up with all 20 marbles, and you right. have 30 minutes to do it. Right. Um, and so I, I assume the loser just dies. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. Um, and so I think like some like dug like a hole in like the sand area that they're in, and they're like who could get the marble like closest to the hole. Okay. And, like they bet like a certain. Oh, so they're of doing marbles. they're doing the they're doing the Michael Jordan thing. Yes. From, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then so others. So were, the quarter on the wall. Yeah. I, I mean, and then others were like guess how many marbles I hold in my hand and you bet a certain amount of marbles based off of uh, um, and then they'll do like an over under okay um, like or even or odd 
So, right. like, do I have an odd number of marbles in my hand or an even, and they'll wager a set amount on that? Okay. And I guess I would probably go with that one just because I could probably play, have a good poker face. Oh, dude, you would destroy me on that. I would be there, like, there would be some kind of math involved, and I would just immediately get it wrong. Like, I'd be dead within two minutes. There's no way in hell I would win that one. So um, that's probably what I would uh, force us to do. All right, so here's what I would do. I would go, like, total brute force and just, like, start playing. You know, you know the game Quarters that you played when you were a little kid where, like, you slide quarters at each other's knuckles and the first one to tap out? Is the loser? Um, I think I played that once, okay. and I was a loser. All right, so well, I don't think I ever got so back then to that's it. Why, then that's why John Ginter is going to be playing uh, quarters with the marbles with your knuckles, because I have I, I have knuckles of steel, my friend, and I would be very confident in that game. Remind me to avoid the iron fist of John. That's right, the iron fist of John again. Um, P.S. Joe wants to know, why do I have no love for the Bearcats? That is false. I actually have an enormous amount of love for the basketball Bearcats. I grew up, actually, as a Cincinnati Bearcats basketball fan. Uh, huge Bob Huggins fan. Love Kenyon Martin. Uh, um, Nick Van Exel, obviously, big guy. I was, Danny Forson was a big guy that I was big into. I had a starter jacket, which is hilarious, because if you can imagine me as, like, a, you know... <laughs> A an eight-year-old kid with a with a bowl cut and giant Harry Potter glasses, wearing a a Bearcat starter jacket in the mid '90s. Pretty pretty badass. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I love the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team. I, the football fans are the most front-running people in the history of the universe. Sometimes, and I and again, I, I always say this: I have them in my family. I love them dearly, but they don't care about Cincinnati Bearcats football unless they're top ten team. Otherwise, they don't know that they exist. And that's, and that's the thing. If they're given even a tiny little iota of happiness, they will milk that for all it's worth till the end of time. And I just, I, I cannot abide that because I will have to go back to Southwestern Ohio and I will never hear the end of it. So, so no. my, my ask you anything is, did it break your soul a little bit to hear Ryan Day give them a public endorsement? <laughs> at this no, because you've got to play the political game. I get it. I understand. It's, you know. Don't lie. It broke you a little bit. No, it's an Ohio, it's an Ohio team. You've got to, you know, you got to do the things for the Ohio bros. I get it. I just don't ever want them to be in a position where they could potentially beat Ohio State. And if that's like, well, you know, you've got you to gotta beat all these teams. Nah, I, I don't. That's too high risk. That's, that's <laughs> high risk, low reward, and I don't want any part of it. Um. So I, overall, I do enjoy that the Bearcats are good. Um, you know, Gino Guaduli, right? That was, that was a guy back in the early 2000s that I was all about. It's fun to watch them when they're good. And, and of course, you want to see a guy like Luke Fickle be successful, right? Because solid dude has evolved into a really good coach. I was with 11 Warriors when he was coaching Ohio State in that interim year. And the guy, I mean... I felt terrible for that guy because I would go to press conferences. I was taking pictures at the time, actually, and you could see the look on his face that he was in way, way, way in over his head. And to see the fact that he's kind of evolved to this point where he's one of the premier coaches in college football, where he's talked about for those open vacancies at LSU and USC is really kind of gratifying to see. So it's more about the fandom than the actual team because I, I do want to see the team do well. Uh, but, you know. Would he leave for either of those jobs, you think? I don't, I don't, actually. I think there are a couple of jobs he would leave for. I don't think it's either USC or LSU. Interesting. I think, he, I think he would listen to Michigan. I think he would listen to him. I don't know that he'd take it. I think he'd listen to Michigan. He would definitely leave for Ohio State, obviously, if that ever happened. And then I think Notre Dame. All right? I think Notre Dame would be one of those things where you'd be like, okay, let's, let's you know, hook up with some of my old bros and, and we'll do it. But um, USC, LSU, the, 
amount that I know about his family and just his attitude towards Ohio, I just don't see that happening. I would be shocked, I guess. I, would you see Luke Fickle in Hollywood? Like, seriously. Like, is that, do you think that's his, his I would think LSU is a better fit than USC. I would agree. Mostly because LSU uh, is probably going to spare no expense to hire a new coach. Oh, sure. So. And you've got all the talent in the world, right? That's the thing about LSU. USC. Listen, I can learn to love Baton Rouge if you pay me enough money. Exactly. And, and you're not going to have any lack of talent. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be easy, but it's definitely going to be much less of a rebuilding job that you might have at some other place. One of the things that was mentioned with those jobs is you've got to think about the booster environment. You've got to think about the facilities, all that kind of stuff. I, that's why I felt for years that the Texas job was not as great as some people. Like, you've got the best facilities in the history of the universe, but you've also got insane boosters and a, a whole, like, political atmosphere around the program that you have to navigate and be a politician about. And I don't think a lot of coaches want to deal with that. Probably. Uh, so, so Mike Tomlin's going to go from uh, working for the Rooney <laughs> family to yeah, answering exactly. the USC boosters? Exactly. Exactly. Right. Like, right. no, of course you're not going to do that. Uh, so thank you for sending those Ask Us Anything questions. I want to close out the Dubcast tonight. We've got to talk about Penn State, okay? We're going to close out by uh, kind of going through some things, giving our predictions. Earlier in the season, right, when the schedule was put out, where we thought this was going to be, we thought this was going to be, like, the first big, big premier game. With the loss against Illinois, I don't know that that really has the same juice anymore. I don't think anybody believes in Penn State anymore. People, I mean, again, this is a team until recently very highly regarded, at least nationally. I'm not there anymore, okay? I don't know that I was ever actually there, but I'm definitely not there now. They got Clifford back, didn't help, okay? Didn't help their offense at all. Um, offensively, they're just a total mess. I mean, you look at their, their stats uh, nationally, I mean, they're just not doing super high. I think they're in low 80s in terms of, like, offensive production. Defense pretty decent in top third. I think they're in the 30s, 20s, something like that nationally. Um, I just think Ohio State's going to boat race these guys. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Get a night game. You get at the shoe. You're getting the special color rush uniforms. You got the killer tomatoes coming in, right? How are you going to feel about that? I mean, obviously, you have a lot more affinity for Ohio State and have watched them a lot longer than I have. So sure. Seeing them in that all-scarlet. Are you oh, I, are I'm you, cool are you with it. No, I like it. Some some of the guys, you know, some people are more old school. Even, than me. even if you like it, it's going to be a little weird at first, though, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I I liked the all black uniforms. I thought were sick when the first time they did that for like the Penn State, which is kind of like you know the inverse, obviously, of the whiteout stuff. I thought that was amazing. And the other thing about that is that I never expected Ohio State fans to go along with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, because they said, okay, black out the stadium, like good luck. But people did. People showed up, and it was. Like, I got to see that game in person, and it was awesome. Uh, so I love games like that. I, I didn't love the gray ones that they had, but obviously that came along with an epic game, right? You know, JT Barrett being basically perfect in the second half against Penn State to lead that comeback. Um, so I'm cool with it. I think it'll be pretty fun to watch on screen. It, it'll be strange at first, but it's, it's one of those special things that I'm glad they decided to do on a regular basis. I, I like it. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Are you cool? I mean, I like the uh – those NFL color rush games where they basically wore all the same color. Yeah, right, least. right. So, I mean, it's basically the same concept as that. So yeah, essentially. I, and I thought, I guess the one that is the most similar to Ohio State is, I guess, the Chiefs. And right. I thought theirs, their color rush <laughs> was pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it'll be pretty fun. And especially if, you know, they're encouraging fans to wear scarlet. So right. it's going to be a lot of red. That should be fun. Now, let me ask you this. You're Ohio State's, you know, defense. Sure. You're looking at. You know, I am not. But well, you're not. But let's say you are. Okay. You're, you're, you're 
collectively their defense. Linebackers, defensive line, secondary, they're all meeting together, all talking about how they're going to keep Penn State from scoring. Who is the person on the field that you are most afraid of on Penn State's offense? Because I don't think there's a lot, but I think there is a couple of guys that you might want to look out for. I'm actually slightly suspicious that a guy like Clifford might be sandbagging last week and then come out and throw for 300 yards against Ohio State. But sandbag? Oh, yeah, let's, let's intentionally lose to Illinois yes, exactly. and then we'll that's beat exactly Ohio right. State. That's how paranoid. Right. Got that him. is how paranoid I am. Yes, that's Got what him I right think. where we want him. Exactly. Boys. <laughs> right. No, I mean Jahan Dotson is obviously their best yeah. playmaker, and um, Denzel Burke doesn't think so though. If, well, if, if you listen to him, I mean, well, he's just a prototypical cornerback that's going to say that about uh-huh. everybody. And obviously, I, I really like the confidence. And before I go too much down this rabbit hole, some context. Right. Uh, yesterday, Denzel Burke was asked about Jahan Dotson, who is Penn State's best receiver by far, both from a talent standpoint and from a statistical standpoint, yes. looking at their Easily. stats. Yes. And they asked if his preparation changed and he was like, nah. Just, just very matter. <laughs> nah. Nah. And I'm good. They asked like, I guess the significance of covering someone like that who's, you know, an NFL caliber talent. Right. And he just basically said, he's a good receiver. Nothing that I can't handle, though. Yeah. And <laughs> I, lo- I agree so with you, nonchalant. I, I love the nonchalant. I love how confident he is. You got to take him seriously because he does have a lot of legit NFL talent. And the he torched one- him uh, in the game last year. That's right. And, and one thing that I would be concerned about if I were Ohio State is big plays. And one thing they've avoided thus far is giving up those really big plays. Now, they've, they've had trouble on third down, which maybe Penn State doesn't have a lot of those guys who can just say, okay, I'll go out in the flat and I'll catch the first down. But they do have big play potential in Dotson. And that's that's where you've got to be a little bit careful, I think, if you're Ohio State. You don't want to play from behind in this game. Well, I'll tell you what. If last week is any indication, if Penn State ever gets to the two-yard line, they ain't getting in. <laughs> That's true. You could give them. You could give them seven tries. You could they give might them seven tries. So uh, maybe <laughs> on eighth down they'll get it. But. There you go. No, that's an excellent point. Um, I, you know, the other thing is though, even if even if Penn State does manage to score a couple of points, I don't know any defense in the country that's slowing down Ohio State at this point, right? Um, I think they can slow them down at least from a comparative standpoint sure. to what they've been. I but mean, Penn State's it, good, but, but I don't stop them entirely. No. Yeah. I mean, well, um, now maybe Georgia. Maybe. Sure, right. But outside of that, and no one's going to stop Ohio State. Right, and Georgia's by far and away the best by far. defense in the country. I, I really think as good as Penn State's defense is, and they've got, you know, like um, defensive linemen who might show up and do really well. They've got some playmakers on defense that have to be accounted for. I think the combination of a guy like Trayvon Henderson and then, of course, a wide receiving core that we have talked about to death but is the best in the country. I don't think they're really – I mean, there's a lot of good receivers in the country. you got to believe that Ohio State's got the best wide receiver core. Well, the fourth-string wide receiver is Alabama's best player. Exactly. So I think Ohio State probably wins this pretty handily. But before we get into predictions, I want to ask you this. Who has the bigger game, Ohio State passing or Ohio State rushing? What do you think Ryan Day would prefer to try to win by? I guess is maybe a better question. <laughs> well, as many points as he can. Well, right, but, but uh, the only the only guy that I haven't seen him intentionally run it up as much as it could be this year was Greg Schiano and Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Like he he showed mercy on the old boy Schiano. Uh, right. Um, took his foot off the gas pedal eventually, but um, it's tempting to say rushing just because Illinois torched them on the ground so much, but they also could not throw the ball whatsoever. <laughs> right. Um, 
if their life depended on it. Right. I think they had like what three hundred something rushing yards and like thirty eight passing yes, yards that's total. Actually, I think that's or, exactly or something right. Yeah. of that nature. Um, although some of that was just absolute mismanagement by Penn State. The favorite photo that I saw an entire college football last week was just a photo of Ohio State having not Ohio State. I'm pulling a James Franklin. There you go. That was intentional, by the way. <laughs> I'm pulling. In Illinois, and they had like nine players on the line of scrimmage, oh, right, a quarterback yeah. in the yes. backfield. And looking at the formation, two of those players are eligible receivers. <laughs> and Penn State is in like a nickel package and <laughs> acting like they're going out five wide. Right. Like, what do you? Well, I wonder what the play call here is, Chief. You think yeah. they're going to get seven yards when a linebacker's playing like seven yards deep or right. what? Anyway, it was just a colossal mismanagement, um, which again bodes well for uh, our buddy James. But. So then, okay, then if they're that bad at reading certain plays and whatever, I would tend to think that if I'm Ryan Day, I want to win. I, I want to win this game. Just I, avoid the night game, you know, craziness. Avoid the idea that there's, like, a, a team trying to establish themselves and say, like, we're not that team that lost to Illinois. I would want to win the surest way possible. Sure. So I would come out and try to establish the running game as quickly as I possibly could. I don't know if that's actually him, though. I feel like Ryan Day, the inclination he has is to get his quarterback in a rhythm yeah. and then try to get as many yards as possible. I think you're right. I do think they're going to come out throwing. But I also think if, you know, maybe they stall the first two drives or so, uh, Travion Henderson is a much more talented back than right. they saw last week, for right. sure. And, you know, Dewan Jones is probably the best run-blocking tackle in the America right now. Oh, my God. The so, dude's a road grader. Yes. Um, I mean, pass blocking, he's been better than serviceable for sure. Right. But as a run blocker, that dude eats. It's and so fun. Like, and, and by the way, that's something that maybe not until I started doing stuff with Eleven Warriors as a fan I didn't really fully appreciate was, like, the w watching the offensive line on certain plays. And if you watch Big Thanos out there just destroying dudes on plays – Oh, my God. So much fun. So much fun. You want to um, talk about a guy that uh, DeWand or maybe Nicholas might be blocking? The, the one maybe game-wrecking Oh, opponent? yeah, go for it. Hmm. So, I mean, that's an interesting matchup, right, in general, because I don't know that if you're in Ohio. So I, I hesitated because I don't want to butcher this last name, <laughs> but let's just call him Arnold. Arnoldy. Arnold Abikte. Abikte. Yes. I'm just going to call him Arnoldy. Anyway, but it, it is kind of fascinating that a Temple transfer defensive end is mm -hmm. Penn State's best pass rusher. Um, not to discredit uh, my fine folks at Temple Owls. Uh, right. The fans, but, <laughs> um, like, Big talent look, they were able to grab there. Taking for a look a at bit. Arnold's uh, last four games, he's uh, racked up a sack in each. And granted, uh, two of these games are Villanova and Indiana, who sure. we previously discussed is the worst offensive line in the Big Ten. Right. Um, but did get a sack at Iowa, got a sack and a half at Illinois, has five and a half on the year, which leads Penn State by a long shot. Mm -hmm. And I think you definitely have to take notice of him, but also he has not seen the quality of tackles that he's going right. to go up against like – He's going to at Ohio State this weekend in not the big house. Yeah, in not the big house. Yes. Uh, actually, one of my favorite plays last week was Sarah Munford um, just destroying a dude on a <laughs> kind of, I wouldn't say a blindside block, but it was not just I, a dude, an All-American. That's right. He was, yeah, exactly. A guy who's being looked at, you know, first round or second round or NFL draft. He annihilated him. Uh, on a on a long run, I think by Henderson towards the end of the you know the function. Actually, I think the run was only like six yards. Yeah, but it wasn't huge, but he he pushed them back about fifteen yards. Yeah, it was, no, it was fantastic. 
Um, so real quick, before we get out of here and, and give our predictions here, any recruiting implications? Is there anything like big going on uh, this weekend that we need to be aware of on that front? No. I Visitors? Mean, there's, there's, there's no big game. For <laughs> yes, Johnny, my phone is a cesspool right now. Like, I, I am losing sleep over this. Like, this is one of the biggest recruiting lists that I've seen anywhere. Wasn't, wasn't it something like, well, how many people are on that thing? Well, I mean, there's, it's, oh man, it's been my nightmare all week, but it's, it's fun. It's definitely fun to keep track of, but, you know, going in the forums and like taking names off and then putting names back on and, you know, looking at teens tweet. Um, I'm sure maybe you did that as a high school teacher. I try to avoid that. Yes. Yes. You can avoid it. I cannot. But um, I think we're close to about 50 expected recruits attending. Unbelievable. Uh, 50. And of those 50, I would say about 20 to 25 are extremely high priority. Incredible. And of those 20 to 25 extremely high priority, I would say about five of these are going to be make or break visits. Okay. And I will tell you those five in tomorrow's hurry up. And by (laughs) tomorrow, I mean Friday, because that's probably when a lot of you are going to listen to this. Yes. But... Uh, that's a, um, you know, shameless self-promotion. There. No, 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 but that's, that's fantastic. But I mean, 50 recruits in one game, and then you've got, like, you know, dozens of high-priority guys coming. Yeah, I mean. That's incredible. We, we can go over some of the names that are just coming, like the five-star guys. Richard Young, the number one. Rip. Yep, yep, number one guy, and maybe the successor to Trevion Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a pretty uh, fun six-year run for running back south. Both of those guys hit to their potential. That would be fantastic. Still Ohio State. Uh, Hero Canoe, who could be a great addition to the 22 defensive tackle uh, court. And, you know, Caden Curry, who uh, is another guy and maybe Ohio State's top priority in the defensive line for 2022, uh, making his second visit of the fall. And, I mean, you want to talk about a five-star guy that's a make or break, uh, uh, Amari Aber coming in. And he could be a... You know, maybe a Jack Sawyer type, a guy that completely comes in and you doesn't start, start like immediately. Doesn't start, but you know, not because neither Jack or JT are right. starting, but definitely plays that role his freshman year. Uh, gets about ten to fifteen snaps early, and you know, eventually, kind of like JT last week, is already making sacks. I think Jack has two this year already, so right. he's already making and some of that, you know, maybe in garbage time against inferior offensive lines or whatever, but. Nevertheless, you can see the caliber of this recruiting prowess from those two guys, and Amari could be just on their level. And well, that's I mean, definitely something to pay attention to this yeah, week. I mean, that's a big deal. Texas A&M and Alabama are certainly up there for his services. Um, he's pretty high in Ohio State too. So I mean, I I would just taking a step back off the ledge for a second here. I can't just imagine. Like I really struggle with names. I don't know about you. Like especially <laughs> when I like. And granted. A lot of these guys, they aren't meeting Ohio State's coaches for the first time because sure, they've been in you know, constant contact with right, them. Right. But, you know, a lot of it is over text or over that, but not much of it is in person. Right. And just trying to juggle, like, 50 names, and especially <laughs> their parents, too, and everything. Because, uh, right. you know, you want to put Every, your best You want to know forward. everything about them. You want to know, like, where they go to church. You want to know where yes. they go to the movies. And I'm just like, wow. And on top of the stress of preparing for, even though we said that this game has lost some of its luster, but right. I mean, to them, every game is the most important right. game on the planet. Right. Like, I just can't imagine trying to prepare for that. Well, but I look forward to uh, reading your write-up on the hurry-up about that. That'll be fascinating. And so we're about to get out of here, but I want to ask, score prediction MVP, what do you think? I said 38 to 10, and I actually uh, 
did that as a little bit of uh, respect for Penn State's defense, which is kind of fascinating because I was like, 38 points is yeah. respecting <laughs> Penn State's defense. Right. But well, if you're playing Ohio State, it is, right? Because right. they're averaging 500 points a game. So. Uh, I mean, the easy thing is to say Trevion for MVP, and I'm going to take the easy way out and okay. say Trevion actually gets about 15 carries this week and goes for about 115. Okay, and not too bad. two touchdowns. Uh, I said 42-14. I think Ohio State handles this one pretty easily, and I, I just think they come out of the gate running. I, I really Ohio State knows that they have to kind of establish some style points here a little bit um, because if you know if all things hold true and they can win out, they'll be fine for the playoff, I think. But if anything gets a little hinky, they've got to look good, and I expect them to try to come out and look as good as possible. Especially got the uniforms at night. You know that that's something they want to do. I say 42-14. Um, I would love to believe that Henderson's going to get enough carries for me to, like, okay, he's going to get a bunch of yards and whatnot. I just don't think it'll happen again. He'll look great in limited time that he does get, but I think C.J. Stroud's going to win another freshman of the week and for what seems like the eighth or ninth time, so that would be fantastic. Hey, we have the shell created already for <laughs> That's good. To drop the That's fantastic, and all we need to do is copy and paste and change the date and the week, and then we're good to go for the rest of the year. It's becoming part of the weekly routine. That's right. So uh, both of us predicting pretty solid Ohio State win over Penn State. Thanks, everyone, for coming out and listening to us here at B-Dubs in Delaware. Uh, thanks for you for listening online, if that's what you're doing. Um, and we'd like to, of course, thank B-Dubs itself for being the official sports bar of 11 Warriors. Dot com and some pretty cool stickers up here. Some fantastic stickers. If you want to come up and say hi, please do that. It would be fantastic. Um, but until next week, I'm Johnny. I guess I'm Garrick. I know you're Garrick. And we'll uh, see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>